This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone. It's Oscar, and I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level or... If you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as many other hosting sites would charge you for just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance of the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week we begin our free agency previews. We're going to take a look at defensive backs and see if we can identify a couple of key players that can improve the 49ers secondary. And with me this week to tell us how he won the Texas Hunger Games, it's David Newman. Man, what a fucking week, huh? Dude, it's been a week. So we didn't have a show this last week because, well, we didn't have power or water or both. (laughs) Throughout the week, Texas is in shambles. Uh, we we flirted with making this a Chelsea Football Club podcast. <laughs> I mean, it, it was just it was a lot of tumult in in seven days. Uh, but it's good to hear your voice on the microphone again, Mister Newman. I'm glad the water is back in your abode. Uh, just the mild per- pipe bursting um, that you've got to deal with. But other than that, I mean, we're we're lucky we we emerged yeah. unscathed. Yeah, I mean, um, it definitely in in the position where you know there there are certainly some things that happen that are annoying, and you know things that we got to deal with coming out of there that aren't exactly the most fun, but um, certainly came out of this a lot better than a lot of people did in in, in Texas. So feel pretty. Fortunate I want to know. That. I want to know what you learned this week because I learned a lot this week. I like. I went full bear grills like survival mode up in this mofo uh and i learned that when when people when everything goes downhill when everything crumbles people think real hard about pooping or the toilet because during covid everyone just snapped up all the toilet paper that was like the first thing reflexively everyone went out to toilet paper and and now and now we have like everyone's freaking out because we have no toilet water so like all of the All of the we now we finally have toilet paper and now we don't don't have any toilet water and everyone's like just get all the snow and put the snow in here and then like you get like and it just everything was like how do I poop was really priority number one it it like really I mean for us it was like you know priority number two because it was like how do I keep this tiny human alive when it's like freezing ass cold Um, priority number two that was that was definitely number one um and and then but after that it's like okay how are we gonna shit like. (laughs) Um, I'm, you know, you, you can go a little bit, you, you, especially if you know, it's going to be, you know, probably only a few days, uh, or, or whatever you can let, let a little yellow mellow. All right. You can let that happen, but you, you, you got to get that brown down, you know, it's got to go and it can't sit around there. And yeah, I mean, we did the, definitely did the snow melting and, and put it in there, filling up fucking toilet tanks with like random ass water that you can find or get a melt snow or whatever, like isn't fun. It fucking no, sucks. it's not. And and there and you're out there collecting snow. It takes a lot of snow to flush a toilet. In case anyone was wondering, very fluffy, fluffy, fluffy snow. A lot of air in that some bitch. 
And so I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking to my wife and we're like, you know, we're trying to only flush the toilet once because it's a lot of water. And you know, she had done her business and I'm just like, look, there are some walls that I want to keep up in this marriage. There aren't very many left. And this is the one I want to keep up. Like, this is an area that is all unto you. I don't know how you're going to do it. Just deal with it. Like, <laughs> cause I don't want to be a part of this situation. Um, I learned that you can use a terracotta pot and some tea lights to create a heater, uh, which I did not know about. Uh, I learned about ice dams. Apparently, you basically just ice kicks it on your roof, and that causes the water to prevent, like the, the water gets stuck on your roof and then leaks through your shingles into whatever space you've got up there. That's what happened uh, at our place. We didn't have any uh, burst pipes, but we did have a, a couple of ice dams. So, yeah, that's, I mean, learned, learned some interesting shit. Yeah, I learned that um, I thought I moved to Texas for a fucking reason and it wasn't to deal with this cold ass weather that came through. I mean, I shouldn't say this cold ass weather because it's already gone. It was like 77 degrees today um, because it's true. Shit's weird, but you know. Yeah, so we're back. We have the, the our, our infrastructure is back to normal and back to like 1942 level ish. Uh, we've got running water. We've got electricity. We are back and ready to hit this free agency preview uh, because yeah, we were just going to burn it all down. Burn it all down. It's just fucking. Uh, let's talk about free agency, though, because the, the primer series begins now. We've got 24 players that played a role for the 49ers in 2020 that are now free agents. That doesn't include restricted or exclusive rights free agents, which will almost certainly be back if the team wants them back. This is the Dan Brunskills of the world. He's an exclusive rights free agent. Emmanuel Mosley, Marcel Harris, Ross Dwelly, Nick Mullins, they're all restricted free agents, which means that like the Niners are going to have them back if they want them. Uh, if they don't want them, they're not going to be there. If they want them back, they're going to be there. But this season, our free agency preview is going to be a little different because rather than doing a, a big wide look out and trying to figure out different tiers of players, like high-priced players, mid-range players, maybe bargain bin players, and you know, look at, at, the, at, at out at, at the free agent world, we're going to look really at the players that we've got and compare them with just a couple of key free agents that we, that we think, or a group of players that we think might fit because the team is in a different spot now than it was a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, you really were looking to fill out key spots with free agents. Now you're looking to retain your roster where you can upgrade in spots where you can't. So the way the team is going to approach free agency is changing. And so our previews are going to change along with it. Yeah. I mean, this is the first, um, you know, off season in quite a while uh, that, that we haven't been in a position where the 49ers are pretty flush with cash, right. And, and can really, make just about any move that they they want it to you know we knew that they weren't always going to splurge in, in certain situations but you know that was always kind of on the table and and there was really not going to be many players that were out there that would be out of their price range and that is is certainly very different this year um you know they're not necessarily as as cap strapped as i i think you know uh some teams are right now but they're not going to have a lot of space and so i think yeah really what they're going to be trying to do is you know look at it in that bargain bin like they, they need to be able to find kind of the mid-tier lower price guys um and and figure out guys that they can kind of plug in even if it's only short-term deals right and you know maybe they, these this is an off season where you're looking at kind of uh you know what for us has been what those tier three players is kind of transitional guys that come in for a year or two and, and just kind of fill a role because yeah i mean it, it's gonna look with that many free agents right um, they're not going to be able to bring them all back. And, and so I think the team is going to look a little bit different. And, uh, you know, this, this off season in general is going to go a little bit different. Look, it's, it's the $5 DVD bin. What was once the $1 DVD bin is now we're looking at like that one to $5 area. <laughs> You're not going to find a lot in there. You're going to find, uh, you know, I don't know, the Santa Claus four where you didn't know there was a three, but now there's a fourth one. And you're like, tell, huh, me that's, I, tell me you just made that up right now. Tell me there's not a Santa Claus four, please. I absolutely made that up right okay. now. I, I don't know. If I was, was uh, highly concerned. Anyway, <laughs> continue. I, I used, I, we, I used to, I work in startups and have for a long time. And you know, every startup tries to be like kitschy and cute and in some degree. Uh, one of them had two truths and a lie on the biz, on our business cards. Uh, and my go-to lie was always, I was an extra in step up four. There is no step up four. That's how you can, you know, a keen step up observer would understand. There is no <laughs> step up four. But the, the so we're going to look at the, the $5 DVD bin. Uh, and really, if we think the team needs to look outside the organization, we'll look at the type of player that they should get at the grouping of players, not necessarily a single player. And, and like David said, all these players are going to be kind of mid-tier options or bargain bin options. 
because the team's just not really in a position to go outside of a top free agent, not named Trent Williams. That's the guy they're going to go after. Hopefully they get him. But if they don't get Trent Williams, I don't know that they're necessarily going to, you know, be in that market anywhere at the top, at top of the market money where they've been kind of before. Um, so the the other thing I think that's that's important to talk about here is is Shaq Barrett. Not because we want to self-flagellate, although there's a fair bit of that, especially watching him uh, dominate in the Super Bowl. But it, it really is a, a player that we identified a couple years ago in the free agent preview uh, going into the 2018 season uh, or the 2019 season. And and we identified him as the guy that, that we thought the Niners should go after. And, and the process by which we got to him, I think, is important because it can help instruct what we're doing with this free agency preview. Because we often get asked, like, how come you guys can find someone like Shaq Barrett and, you know, pound the table for him? And the Niners couldn't. And it's not that we're, you know, some kind of football savants. It's just that we had a process for trying to find these players. And that process made sense. And for Shaq Barrett, it was someone who fit the scheme at a position of need, who was athletic or had some kind of an upside, and where he performed on a snap-by-snap basis, even in limited snaps, but was limited because of some kind of situation in front of him, which for Shaq Barrett was the fact that he got benched because they drafted a first-round pass rusher, and they had another pass rusher on the other end of that. And so he didn't get an opportunity to shine because there was another player in front of him But when he did play, he always outperformed the amount of snaps that he was able to get. And we were able to look at kind of his individual wins and his pass rush stuff. And and so it was like, yeah, you you put him and and you put him and give him more snaps and he's going to be good. He fits the the speed rushing profile of what you want. And it turned out that that was absolutely true. So we're going to try to find similar value with some of the players that we're talking about here, whether it be because of maybe injury, which we'll talk about whether or not that's even a thing now with the, the Niners and their injury history. But the, you know, we're also going to talk a little bit about situation and whether it makes sense. And also more importantly, scheme fits, because, you know, you think of someone like K1 Williams, which we'll talk about, and I think he makes a lot of sense for the 49ers, but he may not make a ton of sense for a team that plays a lot of man defense because he just doesn't fit super well in that area. So all the stuff that we've talked about in years past is still going to be imbued in this free agency preview. It's just going to sound a little different than what we've done in years past. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think the way that we approach um, you know, looking for players in the offseason has been pretty consistent, right? O- over um, you know, a number of years at this point. And it's, you know, we, we want to focus on, um, you know, production. We want to focus on athleticism. Um, and, you know, obviously in an ideal world, you, you kind of want to check all those boxes. Um, and if you can't, you want to look for somebody that's really good at one or the other, right? And, and kind of going um, in, in one of those directions and kind of taking a chance on guys that you feel like might be undervalued for reasons like, um, you know, you went through with, with Barrett there. So I think, um, yeah, it's, it's certainly not, um, a, a wholly original thing or, any, or anything like that, but I think it's worked for us and, and it's, uh, you know, a way that we kind of try to view the off season, uh, especially. All right, let's get to defensive backs on the whole. And the first thing I want to talk about, David, is whether or not the profile of defensive back that we are looking at has changed because this defense started in 2017 one way. It started as that single high defense, and and, and that was the the tree that Sala brought to the 49ers. And and even now, like I was doing a, a Jets podcast because th- th- they were very interested in who their head coach is. And they were like, you know, so what's his defense like? Is it just that straight up cover three that you know kind of Seattle? Uh, that Seattle style defense. And, and I told them, I was like, yeah, I mean, it, it started that way and it made sense. But now you look at their defense and it's really not that at all. 2017, 72.5% of their pass snaps were in single high. Then you zoom forward to 2020, that drops down to just under 54%. And they're running a lot of varied coverages. These four coverages that they use at least 10% of the time, that three different coverages that they used over 20% of the time. That's like some Shanahan personnel bullshit he's running around like, I'm using all these different personnel packages. You're never going to know what's going to hit you. Uh, And and Sala is doing some of that and has done some of that as well. So the defense really did evolve. And it's not just this straight up single high cover three thing. So does that change the type of profile that maybe we're looking for when we're thinking about scheme fit or production when we're we're trying to identify players that we might want to go after? I think it does a little bit. I think especially it it's safety. Um, you know, you don't have to have guys who are as pigeonholed, right? I think from a cornerback standpoint, um, 
yeah, there, there are absolutely going to be some differences, you know, if you're um, playing as an outside cornerback in cover three versus cover four um, or, or cover six, which are kind of like the main zone coverages that the 49ers have, are, are using nowadays. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of crossover when, it, you know, if you're playing kind of a deep outside zone, um, you know, a lot of the techniques are going to be similar enough that like, it's not a big deal, right? We've seen like like Richard Sherman, right? Like you know, he was obviously a part of this transition with the the 49ers and and he just just fine in playing those coverages because I think there's a lot of similarities. But from a safety standpoint, I think there are um, you know a good number of differences where you started when you're you think of that Seattle Legion of Boom style defense and it was two very separate defined roles. You had your in the box safety that was really more of a, a an extra linebacker almost, right? Your cam chancellor. And then you had your deep, you know, middle of the field, rangy free safety, um, your, your Earl Thomas type player. And I think when you start moving away from cover three and into more of those two high shells and cover four, cover six, which they've been doing, you now need a little bit more versatility out of those safeties. You need a little bit more, um, you know, guys that can do kind of either or. So you're no longer really asking them to cover as much ground, right? You're not, you're not saying that, Hey, I need you to get everything between the numbers, you know, in the middle of the field past 20 yards, right? You just, you'd have to take it all away. Um, it, now it's going to be more, okay. You're, you're going to be isolated usually to one half the field. Um, you know, you may end up in situations, you know, in quarters where you, you're going to have to match up with a guy a little bit more tightly than, than normal, like as a deep safety, right? So I think definitely, from that perspective, things shift a little bit. And I, I think that's largely a good thing in, in my mind. I think it opens the player pool that you, you know, can look at when, when you are a little bit more versatile in your coverages. Well, I think that was going to be my question is, do you think that makes it more difficult to find a player uh, or, or a little bit easier because you're not trying to look for, uh, I, I could see how it go, how it could go both ways, because if you're looking for a truly defined single high guy, you know what traits you need. You know that you need some speed. You know you need kind of ranginess. You don't need to worry about that person being super bulky or having to take on blockers inside the box because they're not going to be asked to do that. So maybe you can go after players that are a little bit smaller but faster. Uh, and and then you think of you know that defined box safety. Maybe you don't need speed because they are going to be in the box. Um, does does it make it harder or easier? Do you think to to find players that fit a more well rounded safety role? I think to me it's easier because I, I think when you look at what guys are doing at the college level and it's not playing deep free safety, right? I I, I think um, it, it's just guys are not used to doing that type of stuff on a consistent basis at the college level with with most of these schools, right? So um, you're you're seeing really at the college level predominantly too high stuff, a lot of quarters based stuff. Um, and, and so that's just kind of what you're getting. There's just a lot more of those guys there. And I think it's a little bit easier to a degree to play that role. Right. Um, I, I think, yes, it may be in an ideal world. If you find Earl Thomas, right? Yeah, sure. You're going to play maybe a little bit more single high stuff and you're going to let him do his thing. Right. Um, but I, I don't think there are a lot of guys out there like that. Right. And that, cause that's really the role, right? The in the box guy, um, I, I think is, is also can be plentiful, right? You just, you're looking for, um, maybe a guy who moves a little bit better than, you know, a little lighter than the linebacker moves a little bit better than him, but is still mostly a linebacker, right? And he's going to be playing underneath and, and doing those things. So I think that's the main difference. I, I, I think, yeah, it opens it up a lot more. I think it's easier to find a guy that can come in and, and be a positive impact player for you. Yeah, I also think this is a bit of where the league is going. The league is going towards more dis more disguised looks, I think, with your safety starting too high. And, and I think that that is, that is what Sala did over the, his couple of years where his defense evolved a bit with the Niners. But I also just think it's smarter to think to start with too high and then only go bring down one guy in the box to stop the run if for some reason you need to. This is a passing league. So I think that that's where you should probably start. That's that's the lesson of I think Brandon Staley's defense from the Rams and why his defense was so good this year is because he was like let's let's go ahead and let's let's stop the thing that is going to really kill us first and then worry about the run after that and that's a smart way to approach defense and that means you're going to lean more towards two high looks it's what Vic Fangio did as well Vic Fangio I think yeah, everyone talks about his defense being very very good but he may have been like a dude ahead of his time because he was running two safety match looks in the NFL and dominating with this defense in 2012, 2013, 2014. 
and and he still has he had very very good defenses in Chicago. Similar type of thing where he's going to play two high safeties, and yeah, he's still going to have his run fits, and he's still going to be able to to kind of rotate his safeties around. But yeah, you start by defending the pass, and then everything else kind of falls after that. Even if the preseason press conference says, you know, we're going to stop the run first, we're going to you know have violence yeah. and aggression. Right. Yeah. I gotta, gotta be a great, I I'm still waiting for the first defensive coordinator to come in and say, we're, you know, we're going to be passive as fuck. We're just going to sit back and, uh, you know, let the game come to us and, and sort of see what happens. Um, oh my God. That's the, the passive aggressive defense. This is the defense. I think <laughs> that you have got to implement David Newman. This is your, we've got to, uh, we've got to implement a system about. and structure around the Newman passive aggressive defense. <laughs> the, the other player or the other coach, I think that, that could, alter what the Niners want maybe not alter but just as something to monitor is James Betcher he is someone who was added to the coaching staff by the 49ers and he was added because of his experience as the defensive coordinator but James Betcher is someone who in his time with Arizona was a very successful defensive coordinator didn't do some great things with the Giants maybe because of talent maybe because of just you know talent to scheme fit but in general James Betcher is someone who lives and dies by the blitz and he's someone who plays a lot of cover one a lot of cover three, but he does play some cover four as well. So I do think that what he likes to run on the back end in terms of games behind his blitz schemes is interesting. When I had Matt Barrows on the show a few weeks back, he talked about how Sala really is the driving force behind some of these coaches that get brought in to, you know, kind of bolt on to the Sala defense. So when you think about Joe Woods, when you think about Chris Kosurik, those were all really Shanahan, you know, like here, Sala do this. And it was on Sala to fold them into his, uh, his play sheet and his scheme and his play calls, which is, you know, very, very important, something he did very, very well. But it, it feels a bit like Betcher is like that. Like Betcher is like, hey, we're going to get this guy to give you some help to Miko Ryans. We like what he brings. We like his idea. And if you're going to blitz more often, um, then maybe that also changes some of the profile of who you're going after uh, because there's a slot cornerback that does some of this stuff very, very well. That may be uh, a place where the Niners can look that might be an upgrade if you're going to blitz someone off of the edge a whole hell of a lot. Right. And of course, you know, it, it's going to make, I mean, they had to blitz more this past season, right? Because of the injuries. And uh, you would imagine that's going to continue when they trade Nick Bosa to, you know, Houston for Deshaun Watson. And they're definitely going to need to uh, continue to find ways to manufacture pressure there. So 20, 21 minutes before you're already throwing Bosa under the bus. It took 21 <laughs> minutes in your illustrious return, David Newman, for you to just say, you know what, Bosa, screw it, throw him in. Yeah, I'm not sorry. Anyway, that's not what this podcast is about. I had to get it in, though, you know. Let's get to the cornerbacks and what the market as a whole is looking like for cornerbacks. We're going to start with outside cornerback and then move to slot. The market for cornerback is not really top-end heavy, but there is a fair bit of depth. I mean, at the top end of these corners, you're, you're, you're looking... I mean, Richard Sherman is one of the top end of the corners, and, like, we... I'm, I'm kind of... I think it's fortuitous that the Niners aren't going to re-sign Richard Sherman because of their cap strap scenario, but someone is going to pay him, you know, $14 million a year for two years, and I don't know that they're going to get value out of that contract. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know that... Uh, I mean, that you know, he's he's one that we talked about quite a bit at the end of last season, you know, once he, he kind of came back from injury, and and obviously, even if you assume that he was playing while continuing to be hampered by an injury, like it, it's just hard to see things improving too much for him at this stage of his career, right? Yeah. So I, I don't think there is a guy, especially on the outside, um, you know, that that's out there and that, that they're going to plug in that's going to maybe have the same sort of impact that Sherman had when they brought him on, right? Where he, where he had that, you know, obviously season where he was, you know, maybe the best cornerback in, in football in 2019. Um, you know, I don't think they're going to find that sort of impact type player on the outside, but I think there, there are a number of guys, um, that are, that are very solid players, right. That, that are quality guys that have had, you know, you look at, um, you know, just kind of the way that they've graded out at PFF over the last few seasons, you know, they, they're all guys that have like at least a season where they're in that kind of above average range, you know, recently here. And and so maybe they haven't put it all together and they haven't been super consistent every single year for whatever reason, but um, that there are certainly guys that are out there that, that are worth, I think, taking a shot at. Well, so if you're bringing someone new, who, who, who are the, the players, that group of players that you think might be a good fit given their production, their age uh, and their scheme fit for the 49ers at outside corner? 
So I think the the two, I mean, two guys that that come to mind immediately, right? And it and it makes sense. You're always going to have these sort of comparisons, but I think you you start with the Seattle cornerbacks, right? You've got Shaquille Griffin, Quentin Dunbar, um, guys that you know are still relatively youngish. I mean, Dunbar's a little bit older at, at 28, going to be I think 29 by the time the season starts. Um, so you know, but but you have familiarity with the scheme, right? And even though. The 49ers, right, as we've talked, just got done talking about, um, have have kind of shifted away from a pure cover three type thing. I, you have to think that from like a terminology standpoint, you know, just kind of the foundation of what they're doing defensively is going to be very similar um, is going to be something that's easy for them to come in and kind of pick up and, and you know, be able to pick up any sort of differences there. So I think they they jump out immediately. I think uh, Chidobi Awuzie, um is another name that, that stuck out to me. And then I think if you're looking for, um, you know, a, a veteran guide, and maybe you're hoping to get Richard Sherman again. I think, you know, Patrick Peterson is is a big name that's out there that that hasn't played well recently, but um, you know, might be a guy worth taking a shot on if the price is right. If I'm Seattle and I'm looking at Shaq Griffin and Quentin Dunbar, I'm I'm probably re-signing Shaq Griffin. And and that means because I mean he's 25 and a half. He'll be, you know, 26 by the time the season starts. He he is young, younger. And, and I feel like he's he's the guy that the team has been behind the most. He was kind of a day one starter, didn't really come into his own until 2019. At this point, you have to ask yourself whether or not 2019 was the aberration or not, because the year before wasn't very good. 2019, very good. This year, you know, wasn't terrible, uh, played fairly well, but but wasn't like, you know, lighting the world on fire with his play. So is, is 2019 the Shaq Griffin that you're paying or... Is is that the the peak, and now he's kind of regressing to his mean, so to speak, especially at the price range that a young corner, a young starting corner like that's going to get. I mean, you're thinking if top of the market for corners like 14 mil, you're thinking someone like Shaq Griffin gets like what somewhere between eight and eleven, like eight being the low end, eleven being the high end. And are the Niners? Do the Niners even have enough money to to pay a corner eight to eleven million dollars for a year? Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a fair question. Like to me, I I was I can I I wasn't sure whether to include him because of of that price. And but I feel like it could be like at the top end, right of the price range. Like maybe yeah. there's a scenario where they're they're willing to get if up. If they to, don't know, get Trent Williams, right? if they end up solving tackle in the yeah. draft, and they have an extra fourteen mil laying around, maybe you solve the cornerback position that way. I don't know that that's where the Niners would invest that money. I think they'd probably invest it on you know like a nose tackle or something, but. The, but, but I, yeah, I, I could see that world. He would be near the top of their range. Yep. Um, Awuzie is interesting because I think he, he might come at a bit of a bargain because he may have the stink of the Dallas defense on him because that was a <laughs> terrible defense. And, and if anyone just kind of says like, you know, oh, they're, like they're, they're looking at him through that prism, through that lens of you were a corner on the singularly worst defense in the NFL last year. Um, and, and he didn't have a good year last year, but this is someone else who is also kind of, you know, injuries are, are a place where sometimes you can find value, but injuries have bitten the 49ers so far this year. And so that, that would be one that's interesting. And I also think Patrick Peterson's going to, someone's going to pay him as much money as Richard Sherman, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, you would, you would expect, so, I mean, you know, Patrick Peterson is, is what, I mean, we're looking at 2018 was kind of the last season where he was really the, the Patrick Peterson that we, we think about. And I, I think, yeah, he likely um, is, is at minimum, I think he's getting right up into the double digits in terms of, you know, annual contract value there. So yeah, I, I, again, I think it's a um, one that is unlikely with Peterson. Um, but again, I think there's a scenario where he's potentially at the top of that range and, and, and they could, um, you know, look to bring in another veteran type player, kind of like Richardson. But I think Ouzier is is an interesting player to me. Like, I think he's the one, if I had to pick one guy out of there that seems like, you know, most likely for them to to potentially go after and that I would also be like encouraged, um, you know, that they would be looking that direction. I think he's going to be the guy because I do think even though the, the 49ers like, have diversified their coverage they're largely diversifying in the types of zone coverage right they they still are a heavy zone team um you know and and they really kind of 
pick their spots when they're going to run man. And it's really going to be like, you know, more third down situations. And, um, you know, it, it's not going to be something that they go to as a, as a really a base coverage that they use super frequently. So I, I think Awuzie definitely is a guy that is, is much better in zone. He's really comfortable. Um, I think playing off coverage or, or playing bail, like where he, He's good when you can kind of he can keep things in front of him, right? When you kind of kind of see the whole thing, a play unfold, see the route concept. I think he's a you know a smart zone player. He made a number of plays, you know, where he's uh, getting involved in passes that aren't necessarily to his receiver, right? Where he's kind of able to peel off his guy because he sees you know where where the ball's going and is able to read it and kind of make a break and, and get to it. So I, I think he's somebody that's interesting. Um, and they, they do play. I mean, Dallas, you know, obviously for all their issues, like at least from a scheme standpoint, um, you know, they, they've been very heavy cover three and zone coverage, and they do a lot of the same sort of things that the 49ers and most of those teams um, do, which is, you know, if you, you talk about things that uh, like their, their trips adjustments, where if you're on the backside of that, you're going to man up a little bit. And he's familiar with all of that type of stuff, you know, some of those little base adjustments that they um, they like to run. So I think he's he's an interesting guy that would be, I think, available um, at, at a, a price that is very much in their wheelhouse. Only other name I think I might add to this is someone like Troy Hill from the Rams, just because he price tag is more, I think, in the range, hopefully, that the Niners will be able to afford. And if Staley's defense, which was a lot of too high defense, well, it was a lot of too high, but still primarily single high, um, you know, he, he could be someone who would be in the, in that price range as well, who's also had some consistently good seasons. But really the best option, I think, for the 49ers in terms of value and performance is going to be Jason Verrett. We, we've talked about him all season, but you know that he had, a, a, for overall PFF grade, a top 10 grade this season. But because of the, the free agency preview that, that PFF has, we also have access to the war, wins above replacement number, that they calculate for each individual player which tells you really like their value operationalized in terms of wins. It was the 18th best corner in terms of wins above replacement, which is pretty good. Pretty good. So I think for, for value, that's probably the Niners' best option. But your concern there is injury. He played the most snaps, I think, maybe of his career last year. And, and now you're banking on him doing that again. If he goes down, you're looking... I, mean, I, th- I still think they have to sign someone else. Because I think Emmanuel Mosley comes back. You've got Jason Verrett. And then you've got like Tim Harris, Dante Johnson. You've got, you've I mean, got, you're no, you don't have Dante. Dante Johnson is a free agent. A free agent. So yeah, I mean that you're going to need multiple players, right? So I, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, Verrett obviously makes sense. He is, uh, a, you know, he doesn't come without, I think, yes, he was very good this year overall. Um, was it like a very solid corner for them? And it was a great story to see him finally get back and play. I think, you know, he played around, three quarters of the snaps this year, um, which, which was great. Um, and so it was, yeah, it was, it it was all nice. And I think definitely, um, you know, he is still likely to come at a price that fits within what the 49ers should do. And they should, should absolutely look to bring him back, but they need other bodies. I mean, uh, every notable cornerback essentially on their roster, uh, is a pending free agent right now. So, so they're going to need multiple guys, um, whether that's, you know, free agency, whether that's draft, like they're going to need to kind of replenish that cornerback room, uh, a bit and, um, and look for multiple guys. So I think, yeah, Verrett, um, you know, if they do dip into, um, corner, I think Awuzie again is probably the, the guy that I, I like there, but somebody in that range, right. Somebody coming that that's had, uh, I, I think success in more zone based coverages, plays primarily on the outside um they're gonna need another body like that yeah i mean if you're if you're the optimist here you're hoping that because you have a glut of teams that are cash strapped that you're gonna get this stratification you're gonna get this race to the bottom where they're only signing you know league vet one two million dollar deals or they're gonna use all their draft picks and maybe try and use unsigned or undrafted free agents and then the top end guys that teams are okay with spending their money on. If that's the case and you do get this stratification, it means there's going to be a glut of players in the middle of the NFL that are probably going to have to bring their prices down because of the cash strap scenario. And there may be some value that filters through there when when you're looking at what is available in that mid-tier free agent, which is the tier that the Niners are really going to need to play in, especially at corner, because they are going to need at least three bodies 
in addition to a rookie or two, I think, in order to, to really complete this roster. Yeah, I, I think overall, like the it it's a good market for the 49ers because, you know, again, they're gonna need multiple bodies here. Um yeah, I think it's it's a bad season as a player to be hitting free agency because you're not getting that huge boom, and so you're not going to see the same sort of dollars thrown around in free agency that uh, I think we've been accustomed to seeing. And so I think maybe you end up seeing guys taking short-term deals, right? Taking these kind of more modest short-term deals that can really fit into what the Fortnite's kind of need right now, which is exactly that. And and you know they're going to hope that they can go to a situation play well hope things improve with the cap by by next season and, and you know look to get their payday then the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news we dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy from big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the fed Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Now, for a slot cornerback, which is a category we think is is different from outside corner, there seems to be almost more value in this area based on performance that the Niners could be able to get if indeed K1 Williams ends up signing somewhere else like New York. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, um, you know, especially so I think we mentioned 23 players, uh, you know, a cornerback overall, whether outside or in the slot, we're, we're in kind of PFF's top 100 free agents. A lot of those guys are slot cornerbacks. I think um, I forget exactly who it was, um, but but one of the, the PFF guys, you know, mentioned that uh, essentially over the last few years, if you look at like the top 11 slot cornerbacks um, in terms of highest grade over the last few seasons, seven of those guys are free agents this year, pending free agents. So um, there, there are a lot of bodies there. There are a lot of good players, I think, that they could potentially look at. I think, um, you know, as far as someone new, I mean, we're going to get to, to Kwan Williams here in, in just a second, and I think we've been big fans of his. But I think there are options if they wanted to look a little bit younger. I think somebody like, uh, you know, Cameron Sutton, Desmond King, Mike Hilton, those are some names, all guys that are currently under 27 um, that have played predominantly in the slot uh, that, that I think would be interesting for them to look at. Yeah, I think the the slot guys are the ones where I think you can, it, it's it's hard to upgrade someone like K1. If you're going to go somewhere else, I think it's because you want to go younger and maybe a little cheaper because he signed a very, a very, very good deal for the 49ers. I think you could say that K1 Williams is the singularly best free agent signing for the 49ers since Lynch and Shanahan took over. Like who who else might be there in that stratosphere? Richard Sherman mm-hmm. would be up there, but outside of that, like, and, and this is free agency, right? So not draft pick because you you've got George Kittle, you know, you've got Bosa, but but free agent signing, I don't know that I can think of anyone that's better. Yeah, I mean, from a value perspective, I think absolutely he has to be up there i mean i don't i don't think you know offensively there aren't certainly many names um that that i think you can most maybe but he was actually a holdover from chip kelly so even that's kind of like you know it, it, we'll see where where that goes but but i think if you're looking to get younger someone like desmond king is really appealing because he played in a similar system he played it in in gus bradley's single high defense he has had really really good high end play He's an athlete, but he's been injured. And, and so the question I posit to you, David, is given what the Niners went through last year, are you more averse to signing someone with an injury history to gain value than someone who has proven that they can kind of stay on the field a bit more? I don't, I, I think, yeah, if, if you're signing them with the intent that you're going to rely on that play. Like you're, you're signing him to be the guy, right? Like you're expecting him to come in and fill this slot cornerback role. And you don't really have a great plan B if he's not available. Like they may want to be a little more wary there. Cause they're just, I don't think going to have the depth that you would really like it at cornerback with the number of, of bodies that they have to fill in the lack of cap space they have. So I, I, I think you're going to have to be a little choosy and you're gonna have to hope you hit on some of these guys. Like, 
if you find, you know, the, the thing that was great about Jason Barrett is, you know, he was so inexpensive and there was basically no risk, right? When you looked at the, how much that deal was for, um, you know, what their cap situation and, and team dynamic was, uh, at the time that they signed him, it was, you're, you're signing him knowing that this was a guy that had played at a very high level previously. He hasn't been on the field in a while, but we're going to bring him in knowing that if he doesn't play a single down for us, it's going to be fine. Like it's not going to ultimately matter um, one way or another for, for how things play out for this team. That's, I mean, those chances are, I think are still worth taking. If you find a guy that's really cheap, that that's talented, that just isn't finding a lot of bites on the market right now, like, yeah, give him give him a shot. See if you can kind of strike gold again, and if not, whatever. But I, I don't think you can bring in a little bit more of a high profile guy that's been uh, a a big injury risk um, recently. You know, I hate using injury risk, but but a guy that just hasn't been on the field right a lot. I, I think that can be troublesome. I think the other player in this bucket is that that interests me is Mike Hilton. Yep. He is a slot corner from the Steelers. He is more of a, of a do a little bit of everything guy. And especially if you're going to be rushing someone off of the edge on DB blitzes, I don't know if that's still going to be a staple of the, uh, the 49ers defense now that Robert Sala is in New York. But that's something that Robert Sala really, really liked to do was blitz a slot corner. But Mike Hilton is, is a bit of your do it all corner. And, and he comes from, you know, uh, from the, the Steelers. And he's also, you know, just going to be 27 this year. So if you're going to sign them to a two or three year deal, you know, at the end of the deal, they'll be the age that K1 Williams is basically right now. So getting three years younger is hopefully the idea if if K1 Williams ends up getting paid in, in New York. I mean, Hilton is is the guy that I would really look to. I mean, honestly, I, I think I might look at it, especially when you factor in age, Um if if the price is similar, which I think it could be because slot cornerbacks just like, frankly, have, have yet to be valued on the open market. Like It's these a market guys, inefficiency for yeah. sure. And, and, and they just con- consistently get these like lower price deals. And, and so I think you can get somebody like Hilton, get younger at that position and, and not have to pay, you know, much more. Um, and, and I think what he like, I, I think he's a very good fit because of, um, I think one, like you mentioned, he, he's kind of a do it all type of guy. I think you... Um, you know, can blitz him off the edge a little bit. And I think that's something that um, is is definitely something I would expect to be part of the defense going for. I mean, you just like you're, you're going to run a lot of fire zone like most teams when they do blitz, they're going to run some sort of fire zone is kind of like the, the default type of blitz that you're going to get. Um, and that's going to usually involve bringing a corner um, and, and bringing somebody off the slot. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I think like having somebody who can have some value there is great, but you know, the Pittsburgh is a team that has been very, very match heavy in their coverage. So they're a zone heavy team. Um, and, and they do a lot of match based stuff, um, on the back in there. So I think he is familiar doing uh, a lot of the things that the 49ers have been doing more recently, right? I think he can come in there and, uh, and be at home with kind of the assignments that he's going to be asked to do within the 49ers scheme in that slot corner role. So, um, yeah, I, I think, and he's just been, I, I think, incredible. when you look at his, his overall grades, um, they haven't been super impressive because of the one thing, the one main difference I think between him and somebody like Kwan is, is the tackling isn't quite is there. He's had a lot of missed tackles, um, and that's kind of driven down his overall grade. But when you look at what he does in coverage, in the slot, in zone coverages, um, there, there have been few players in the league better over the last couple seasons. Yeah, he's one that I think it's interesting because the market for slot corner seems to have a glut of players that will be available. And if you are looking at cash strap teams and you're looking at three fairly decent options in Sutton, King and Hilton, and I'd probably rank them in reverse order, right? Hilton one, King two, Sutton three, then you, you've got options because I think K1 is in that same mix. So you've got four available players for you all of which could produce a strong starting slot corner that that I think the Niners are, are hopefully in a good spot if they play it right. Because um, I think having K1 back would be good. I think Mike Hilton would be great because he's young. Desmond King, he's proven that he can play in this system as well. You, the, the only thing about King is that it seemed that the Chargers were willing to get rid of him for just about nothing. Um, that trade was, was not a lot. And so you, you have to wonder why if he played so well in in 2018 and he played well in 2019 as well and then they were like nah like peanuts here you go 
and, and then they traded in the Tennessee. So that's that's something that's interesting. But overall, I think if they play it right, there's some value to be had at slot corner. Yeah, that, I, I think it at minimum right. And and there are even some names I, I think that we didn't mention that I, I think could be um, interesting. Like they shouldn't go out of their way to overpay right for one guy in this market for a slot corner. Like there are going to be I think players available um, that they should be able to come away with a quality player at that spot. There's a sixth round pick, a sixth round pick that Tennessee Goats. gave up for King. Yeah, not uh, not good. Not good is what I'm saying. But all right, let's get to safeties. Because what does the safety market look like? Because historically, at least the last few years, safety has been this weird, inefficient market where play- teams just haven't wanted to pay for players. You've been able to get... Uh, I feel like Trey Boston is the epitome of safety here, where it's like he's just on a perpetual one-year deal with whomever's going to sign him. And he's like <laughs> he's like a free agent every single year, including this year. Uh, but what's the safety market looking like this year? So... I. This is another one. I honestly, I think it could potentially work out. I don't know that the the 49ers are going to be, um, they're not going to need to be as active, I think, with safety if they don't really want to. Um, but, but if they choose to kind of venture into the free agent market at safety, I think it could work out well for them because, um, one, it's a strong class overall. Um, and it is kind of top heavy. So you've got nine guys. Uh, at this position in the top 100, which is the the fourth highest of any position, but there are five of them in the top 25, which, which is second behind only wide receivers. So, uh, and I, I think there are some names there that that are going to be um, not really on the 49ers radar because they're going to get one dollar DVD. Ben David, one dollar yep. DVD. We're talking about like buying serendipity as the top romantic comedy in this bin here. This is, I want, I want some John Cusack. So let's, let's just get those names out of the way because you know that we'll get questions like, Hey, what about this guy? Right? Like, and, and it's going to be one of the best. So I think Justin Simmons, Anthony Harris, Marcus Williams, Marcus May, John Johnson, um, highly, highly unlikely that those guys are going to be coming to San Francisco because, um, you know, I think even in this type of, of market, you know, just as the league wide with the cap situation, like, they're going to be the ones, whatever money is there at safety, those guys are going to get it. And, and, and the 49ers just aren't going to be involved, I think, at paying that type of money um, at, at that position right now. And so I think you have to look beyond those five um, and, and kind of look more again to that mid-tier. And I think there there are uh, not a ton of names, but I think, you know, once you get to that mid-tier in this sort of market, right, that I think, we like we talked about, could be depressed – there are, I think, maybe two names, especially, that stick out to me um, that that could be interesting. Um, what do you want to start? So do you want to start boxing? Let's talk about Keanu Neal. Okay, yeah. Because that's that's the guy that I picked out, too, that I thought would be good. As If you're looking as more of an in-the-box guy, a, a kind of more of a Jaquaski tart replacement. You're four years younger, and and you're talking about someone who is... I mean, he he's the athlete that we lust after. He's a 95, 95th percentile broad jump guy. Uh, Trent Balky would love him, 87th percentile arms. His vert is in the 81st percentile. Uh, I mean, th- this is this is an athlete. He's a guy who flies around, uh, and he played in Atlanta, so he's familiar with that you know kind of single high scheme. If you're still going to lean that way, um, but he but he is more of an in the box guy. And so the question is, if you're going to go for someone like Keanu O'Neill, is can he st- can he play that more versatile role that Jaquaski Tart can play? Because Jaquaski Tart is is not a bad athlete. But he does play more of both roles where you can kind of mix it up in the box, but also play deep safety if the safeties rotate that way. Yeah, I think so. I think what they choose to do, it's it's safety and and whether that is who they decide to go out and, and try to bring in in free agency or the fact that they do nothing um, at, at safety and free agency, I think is going to tell us a lot about what they plan to do. Um, from a coverage standpoint going forward with with the Miko Ryans, right? I, I, I think that the in, the funny thing is the interesting names to me, both guys are guys that I I do think are going to be better in, if they revert a, back a little bit to more of that single high stuff, right? And I think Neil is absolutely that. I, I don't love him necessarily um, if you're going to be asking him to play in more too high type stuff. I, I don't think that's, you know, really kind of where he excels. Um I, I think, yeah, he's going to be, he needs to be that cam chancellor type of player. He needs to be in the box more, I think. And, and, um, but doing he's also someone else, also someone else who's been plagued by injuries. Like the last two years, yep. he hasn't played a ton 
And, and so, I mean, luckily, hopefully, at least he's a year removed from those injury issues. But but he's someone who also I think he's played, you know, just has he even played 200 snaps the last couple of years. Uh, um, 213 played... snaps combined the last couple of years until he he played 917 yeah. in 2020. So it was the yeah, the two two years before um this past one that he he suffered a lot from injuries and yeah, it's been been an issue and the other thing is like yeah, he just hasn't played he hasn't had a lot of snaps even. So like uh in in terms of um playing in some of those two high looks. So you look over the last two seasons um, he has 26 snaps in when, when Atlanta was in either quarters or cover six. Um, so it's, it's just like, there's not much out there. Um, I'm already talking myself out that. of it. I'm already so, talking myself out of it. I don't, I don't want it. I don't like it. I thought about it. I, yeah. And then, you know, and then, but no, if they do, I don't want if, if they do, right, we're going to come back and we're going to say like, look, I think they're going to probably be running more cover three this year. Or if, yeah. cause if, if they bring him in and that's not the answer, like it's a fucking mistake. Yeah. <laughs> um, is is wouldn't be, wouldn't be the first time they've tried to convert someone to a place where he did not need to be. Um, yeah, I'm already off the Keanu Neal train. It took uh, two minutes of thinking, <laughs> and I'm already off of it. Jaquaski yeah. Tart, I still think, would be a good player to re-sign. Someone who could also provide some value if they're able to sign him for that, you know, kind of four five million dollar uh, a year contract that that hopefully they can get him to. But he too similarly has injury issues. It's still it's still surprising to me that that both him and Jimmy Ward, it's like only one can be on the field at a time. It's like they, they occupy some of the same body parts or something like that. And <laughs> and and I mean, and even his best year was a few years ago at this point. It was 2017. And that was the year where he had that ridiculous one handed interception in Carolina. Right. Yep. Um, I mean, that that was good. But his his if he is available which is a little bit of an if. Um, I think you can easily go with just with Jaquaski Tart. He's you know pushing that age age thirty season. He might be twenty nine and a half when uh, when the Niners go. So if they go somewhere else, I think that might be it. But I think you're probably right. The Niners don't. They're probably not going to go and play in that safety market um, unless they're going to go try and get maybe a backup or something like that. Because I don't know that. Marcel Harris is it. And I think the team knows that, which is why they were playing more Tavares more. And they tried playing Harris at linebacker and basically it was like, try to find a spot if you can be on the field. But I mean, Harris at this point is a special teamer, which is great. That's a role that you need. Uh, but that's just not like, if he is getting meaningful snaps at safety, you're probably looking on the wire for something, for someone to actually come in and play those snaps. Yeah, it's not not a great situation if if he's in there in in any sort of significant capacity. I I, I think, um, it you know the 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 scenario where they go into free agency and they're gonna get a more versatile type player. I think is is I mean Tart is really the guy. I agree. Like I, I think like he's gonna be in the range. He's just not the he doesn't have the track record that those top five players do, and he's just not going to go out there and command a big deal, especially given the injury stuff. But he, but even I think with with what we've seen, the level of play that we've consistently seen from Tart, even if he were a hundred percent healthy, just playing at kind of that level, like he's a he's a really solid player, but he hasn't played at the the same sort of high level that that those top guys um have and, and is why they're going to command more money so i think he you know should be available for a reasonable price if they're going to bring somebody back um but yeah i mean it, it wouldn't be terribly surprising if they just rolled with jimmy ward and tarvarius more and hope that we see some improvement for more um you know in in kind of his second season with significant playing time but Two other players in this kind of deep safety or versatile safety bucket. One is Malik Hooker. The other is Tashawn Gibson. Gibson is someone who, if if for some reason the Niners can't sign Jaquaski Tart because he decides that he wants to move on or get more money or someone gives him a contract that that is going to pay him more than he might get with the 49ers. Tashawn Gibson is similarly aged. He's, he's a little older. He's a year and a half older than Jaquaski Tart. He's going to be entering his age 30, 31 season here in uh in 2021 but he is a versatile player that's played in the slot played you know kind of that free safety role but also played in the box he could be someone that would fill that role if Jaquaski Tart goes somewhere else but Malik Hooker is someone that it, you know he has a super high billing he's got that top well like when he's available he's a fantastic free safety but I'm I'm staying the hell away from Malik Hooker that's that's just me 
Uh, could you imagine um, when, in, if you, we, we go back to 2017, when uh, Malik Hooker was in the draft and we had just, uh, you know, got Shanahan and Robert Sala in the building and, and we were, we knew they were going to be bringing this cover three scheme. If we could have thought about having Malik Hooker and Keanu Neal as the safety tandem at that point, we'd have been all over it, right? Like, um, yeah, I, I think, again, um, I don't know that that Hooker is the smart decision because I think bringing in somebody like that, um, you know, signals that they're going to make a move that I don't know is is necessarily the smartest decision from a scheme standpoint. Um, but I, I don't think there's any denying that he's, you know, an interesting talent, right? He was um, fantastic in college. You know, he was a guy that was really pegged as, as potentially being, um, you know, one of the guys that has the ability to be that deep rangey free safety in that single high scheme, um, and, and can do some of the things that, uh, you know, not a lot of guys can do in terms of the amount of ground that he can cover and just like that playmaking ability. Um, and yeah, obviously, you know, injuries have kind of derailed things and, um, that hasn't really come to pass since he's been in the league, but, um, yeah, I mean, still very young and and I think an interesting talent and, you know, would would certainly be great to see him go somewhere and, and get a chance to stay on the field and perform. But I don't know that it's smart um, for the 49ers to be that team. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm staying away. I've I've even even seeing the name, I, I just get the heebie jeebies. <laughs> I feel like it's some some kind of ligaments going to explode and I don't want any ligaments to explode. My man's already had enough to deal with. And Achilles rupture is like a gunshot going off in your calf. He doesn't need any more of that. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah. Uh, so that does it for this week's free agency preview. We talked about corners. What we're going to do next week, we're going to talk about a whole new position group, similar structure. We're going to talk about the $1 DVD bin a bit more uh, and talk about Well, I'm going to find some other shitty movie that we're going to like Leprechaun 2. You know, like that's that's where that that movie does exist, by the way. Leprechaun yeah. 2. Yep. It feels like there's like like legitimately like seven of those, right? I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. There's uh like Saw has seven. Uh, I only yeah. saw one Saw. I think in theaters. Not really a big scary movie guy, but Same. um yeah no. Uh, I'm gonna go watch The Americans now because I'm back in that show and that show's dope. Uh, I really enjoy that show. If you haven't seen it, I feel like you didn't. You tell me you guys started watching it and you guys came off it. Uh, no, we, we haven't started. It's like, it's been on the list, um, of like ones to get to, but we just like, haven't, haven't watched it. We're, we're currently watching finally, um, you know, you've been one of many people that are like, you need to watch the show. Um, but we're, we're nearly, I think we've got two episodes left of Ted Lasso. Um, and, and so we finally did the, the first episode of that show was, was awful. Um, like Get legitimately was bad the, the very Get first like i was like this is i would rather just go watch reruns of the commercials than watching this this How, show the first episode look i um, i'm i might go back great. and re-edit this show and just cut out all your parts because i don't know that i can trust you at this point <laughs> i don't know that i can trust your analysis on anything <laughs> football related because you don't football think football is life <laughs> Oh, it's such a good show. I love that uh, show so much. It, it's it's been a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that we. I mean, it was finally like you know you you were telling us that you got to keep watching it, and and we had like I think three or four other friends that were just like you need to just fucking watch it. Uh, so we we finally gave in. We've been in, and you know as as you know, but the listeners I don't think do know. I don't unless you've mentioned it on the pod while I've been gone, but been getting into the other football a lot recently, and so that we was kind of like all right, gonna. Uh, you know what? Gonna give it another shot, and yeah, we've been going like the last three nights or so. We've been watching it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been a ton of fun. It, it, it's definitely good. Although his uh his team is fictional. The the commercials. Yeah. He was a Tottenham coach, yeah. and and of course, you know that we're we're burgeoning Chelsea fans at this point. Uh, which, uh, excuse me, lifelong Chelsea fans. Uh yes, you're right. Yes. Lifelong Chelsea fans. As as long as long as Pulisic is on that team. Because uh, if he goes to Bayern, I'm going to have to learn German. And I don't really want to sound that angry. I'd just like to point out that since I became a Chelsea fan, they haven't lost. <laughs> um, which was also the same time that, you know, they brought in Thomas cool. Ducal. I'm just saying it's hard to discern which of those two events was more important um, in this current, uh, you know, streak that they're on. Post hoc, ergo proctor hoc. Inform. They're very inform, as you would, um, you know, say in soccer. Yeah. Learn, yeah learning yeah. all the things, you know, it's a whole, whole new world. 
Absolutely. So yeah, it's going to be good. We're going to talk about, yeah, we're going to kick off a Chelsea podcast here uh, shortly. We're going to check out the we're Patreon. Gonna... We're going to be dropping those, you know, <laughs> Chelsea FC um, extra pods. It's really funny to, to hear uh, every now and again, I'll tweet out some soccer stuff. Oh man, the, the, the questions and vitriol and like that I get as a result is really funny. I tweeted out when, when Werner hit the side of the net. Uh, I was like, Werner knows that you uh, you don't get a half a goal every time you hit the side of the net, right? Oh man! Immediately, I saw someone was in the mention. We were like, "You clown!" It's like it was wow. saved. You clown! I was like, "Damn, that's fucking harsh." Like football's coming with some spice. There's room for multiple types of football here. Again, <laughs> football is life. David, it's good to have you on, man. Uh, I am excited about this free agent stuff. Uh, we'll we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week yeah. uh, with another episode, another free agency preview. Thanks again for tuning in, and as always, go Niners.